Moving to Live is a podcast about movement and exercise. We bring you interviews with professionals in the movement and exercise field. The goal is to provide information for other professionals and also amateur movement aficionados, people who understand that movement is part of what makes life complete. Some of the people we interview you will have heard of. They're well known in and outside of the movement and exercise profession. Others you may not have heard of, but they have a great deal of knowledge to share. Many people doing the best work spend their time working with people, not working on their social media presence. We're going to give you a chance to learn from some of these talented and knowledgeable individuals, and we're going to learn along with you. Moving to Live podcasts are going to be short. Each interview will be long enough to impart usable information, but short enough to be able to be consumed in a single bout, during your workout, commute, or even during dinner prep. We all like long-form interviews, but time is valuable. Moving to Live wants to give you the option to learn and be entertained without needing to commit 60 minutes at a time for an interview. Give Moving to Live a listen. Check out our sister podcast, FitLab PGH, which highlights people, businesses, events, and activities in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area that make movement a priority. Moving to Live would love to hear from you. Want to connect with us or have an idea for somebody you think we ought to interview? Drop us an email, mov2liv at gmail.com, or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter, both underscore mov2liv. We're excited to bring you these interviews, and we think you'll enjoy each and every one that we bring you. Welcome back to another edition of Moving to Live. We are a podcast about movement. We're for the movement and exercise professional, amateur aficionado, basically anybody who understands that movement is part of what makes life complete. We want to give you good information. I'm really excited to have part two of my interview today with Dr. Josh Emder. He is a family practice physician who is in Boulder, Colorado. I have to confess I'm a little bit jealous of that every time I hear somebody living in Colorado. He is doing family practice in Colorado, but he has become involved with a group called Steady MD, which is doing concierge medicine online. Dr. Emder, thanks for joining Moving to Live for part two of our interview with us. Yeah, well, thanks for having me back. I wasn't sure if you're going to have me after that, that first one. I think the first part was really interesting. <laughs> we finished up and you told us a little bit about the fact that you are a second-generation osteopathic physician, although you are not a pulmonologist like your dad, you went into family practice. If you could just briefly open with explaining exactly what is a family practice physician, kind of along the lines of somebody's listening to this and they would say, well, who goes to see a family practice physician or why should I go see a family practice physician? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, a family practice physician is is a uh, jack of all trades, a master of none. Um, but what's great about family, uh, what's great about family medicine is its roots are really in taking care of families and getting to know a family, you know, all the way from the beginning and then following them all the way through their journey through life. So, you know, and, uh, some of my most rewarding, uh, relationships as a family practitioner have been like, you know, you know, not so much in big cities anymore, but in my training, I, I had to do, I had to do, uh, obstetrics. So, you know, I would do all the prenatal care, deliver the child and then, you know, watch that, uh, newborn that I delivered all the way, you know, to, you know, age three, like in my residency. 
um, is just really an amazing process. Is that akin to what was, you know, maybe 50, 60 years ago in the small towns, the family or the uh, country doctor who dealt with the family and who they uh, call out when there were accidents and things like that? Yeah, I mean, that's where family medicine has a, has its roots. And, um, you know, in this day and age of medical spe- specialization, you know, primary care is underserved. Um, I'd say most medical students you know, pursue more specialized training. Um, And part of that is that's how our medical reimbursement system is really set up. So you look at other countries like in in Europe where there's a much much bigger emphasis on on primary care. And to be clear, primary care is described as is your general pre- your general practice internists, your family practitioners, and your pediatricians, and in the U.S. we just have a, a we have an imbalance of more you know cardiologists, more you know dermatologists, more cardiologists, all these specialists um, that are going into these fields. I mean, not just for reimbursement, but also it's just really how our our medical system has has evolved where everyone feels like they always need to go to a specialist if, to treat, you know, one specific problem. But my argument, you know, my, what I'd like to say for primary care is I, I feel really strongly that everyone should have a primary, everyone should have access to a primary care doctor who knows them, has time for them. And, you know, is there, is there for them to be their kind of, health coach, if you will, to, you know, just make sure that they're healthy. Cause if you're, if you're just seeing a specialist, specialists are notorious for, you know, being experts in their one system. But unless you have someone who's really looking at the big picture, um, you risk missing those big picture problems. So for example, the person who comes into the physician and complains that they can't sleep and maybe the specialist doesn't realize that they have a special needs child. Right. But even more so, like, um, I, I wouldn't say sleep is a, is a great example for that. Um, let me think of, a of kind of a, a recent case. Um, oh, yeah. I'm sure I'll get one that comes to me, but it, it's really easy to like, if you like the analogy, like if, uh, if, like if there's a nail, you need a hammer to fix it. Like sometimes, Sometimes you don't need the hammer. Sometimes you maybe need to just take a step back and figure out why the nail's there in the first place. I think maybe one of the <laughs> things that would be of, of interest to the listeners, it's kind of, you know, everybody, we're in cold and flu season. And if you have a family practice physician in the typical model of medicine, unless you're exceedingly lucky and you wake up and, you know, you clearly have a bad cold and you're coughing something up and you're not sure if it's a bacterial infection or not, you know, you think I need to go see a doctor and you call your doctor that your insurance company approves of and they say, yeah, we can fit you in next Tuesday and today is Wednesday. That doesn't sound like it's a really good model for being able to get to get to know the patient and treat them in a timely manner so that they can have a high quality of life. Yeah. I mean, right now the system is pretty broken. Um, it's, um, care is really fragmented. So even if someone does have a primary care doctor in a situation like that, they end up going to an urgent care or like a, uh, a minute clinic inside a, a pharmacy. 
or maybe even just, you know, going on their computer and, and using one of the many telemedicine platforms where they can find a doctor to talk to them. Um, but that episodic care is, it's, it's really more like Band-Aid fixes um, as opposed to having someone who's, you know, knows your history and kind of knows the bigger picture, which is invaluable. I know that I've talked to my dermatologist before and I've asked, you know, why does it take, you know, three or four months to get in to see a dermatologist? And he commented that it's because there's a relatively few number of dermatologists and he has actually started a practice where if you have a skin problem that you think is a concern, you can take a picture and you can email it to them. They'll look at it. And if they think it's serious, they'll get you in basically within 48 hours. And I've had the opportunity to use that three or four times. And it's, oh, cool. it's, it's really been amazing. Yeah. Is there a similar problem with, uh, primary care? And I know you said that there are a number of different internists, general practice, family practice. Is there a problem with primary care? Is one of the reasons it's often difficult to get in to see a primary care physician in a timely manner because there simply aren't enough for the number of patients? Or do you think the patients just don't know, I need to have a, a, a primary care physician is kind of my gateway or my first step with a medical problem? Yeah. So, um, Primary care is, um, there's a huge shortage. I don't know exactly what the statistic is, but the reason why you can't get in is just there's not that many primary care doctors. Um, <clears throat> so um, that's, that's really the biggest hurdle. And, you know, over the past 10 years, most primary care doctors have been, uh, most practices have been purchased by large health systems. And once the large health systems are involved, you know, doctors don't necessarily have any control of their schedules, um, you know, because there's such a demand, you know, lots of doctors are overbooked. And quite frankly, the way our reimbursement model is now, like, the best way to put this is the way reimbursement is now, your primary care doctor has to see a lot of patients to be able to, you know, keep the lights on and to be able to support the support the the model. Um, what I'm doing with SteadyMD is outside of kind of the traditional insurance based model, where um, like you you brought up that dermatologist uh, friend of yours who's um, who's doing the pictures. That's great, but it's insurance companies are just now starting to pay for virtual visits, and it's still really hard to get covered. And, and I um, should, and I should, I should say that insurance does not cover that. I pay for it out of pocket and it's for me because I'm fortunate enough to be able to afford to do that. It's a welcome peace of mind, but you're correct. Insurance doesn't pay for that right now. Right. So your typical family practice um, doctor has uh, a panel of about 2000 patients who they're caring for. And then um, for that for your doctor to be able to send your insurance company a bill, you have to come in and see your doctor, even if it's just for some routine thing like having your blood pressure checked and getting your medications refilled. But with what I'm doing at SteadyMD, it's completely outside of insurance. Um, so what that does is it, it really is a game changer for the patient-doctor relationship because with SteadyMD, we have a, a HIPAA-compliant app. So my patients are able to um, send me a text message when something comes up and it really, it, it's a game changer because my patient, it's my, my 
the relationship really turns into more like having a doctor friend who's available for you. So say if my, if one of my patients, you know, thinks they're coming down with the flu, they'll send me a text like, Josh, I just took my temperature. It's 102. I have muscle aches. And, you know, my kid was just diagnosed with, with influenza. You know, I can text back, Hey, let's, uh, you know, set up a video call. Um, let's talk about this on the phone. And then, you know, I can just send in a, a prescription electronically to their local pharmacy, wherever they are in the country. And then I have that documentation in my medical record. And it's not, it's, you know, I, I, what I like about it as a doctor too, is like, I can then just check in on my patients like a day later, like with a text saying, Hey, are you feeling better? Is that medicine working? And they text back thumbs up. And then I feel great about it. So part of it's selfish with this platform that I, I'm really enjoying it and I'm getting a lot of satisfaction out of being able to use technology and leverage techno- technology to actually improve care and change that patient-doctor relationship. I know that there are some physicians who are trying to avoid the what I think has been termed the big medicine model and working for large indiv- large corporations and they set up what is termed micro practices where there, maybe there's just one or two physicians. Is this an example or kind of a subset of what would be termed a micro practice? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's using a lot of the same tools that a lot of micro practice uses. It really comes down to reimbursement. You know, some micro practices will still bill insurance. Um, the game changer with taking insurance out of the piece is that when you do what I'm doing, like a, this direct primary care model where patients are paying a membership fee to me to have access to my expertise and my care, <clears throat> is that my documentation is strictly for the medical record and, and my patient care, where if you're billing insurance companies, in order to submit a certain level bill so you, so the physician can't get paid, you know, so many box boxes need to be checked in order to submit a bill. And that, that takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. And that time does not equate to, you know, improving care. So a big frustration of mine is, you know, in the U.S., um, the healthcare spend is about 20% of the GDP last I checked, which is just totally ridiculous. And um, with that being said, like we have this, Healthcare costs are crazy out of control. We have all this access to technology. And healthcare is really one of the only sectors that that I am aware of that has not been able to use technology to actually decrease costs, improve improve quality, um, or or efficiency. So, and and there's a lot of reasons for that, but a big reason is like the electronic medical records that doctors have been forced to use over the past 10 years have not really been designed for patient care. They've been designed for billing purposes. And once you are able to partner directly, once you're able to get the insurance companies out of the middle, you can then kind of change, change the rules of the game. So is it correct to say that uh, SteadyMD is a virtual concierge medicine program or practice? So it is correct to say that. I, I do think co- the term concierge is very elitist, and um, I think concierge belong in hotel lobbies. <laughs> I really prefer the uh, the term direct primary care, where where you know m- middle class people. You know, the idea is to make it available to everyone where people can 
for a reasonable price, be able to partner directly with the, with a doctor who has time for them, knows them, and is able to help them without all the bureaucracy that's involved with your traditional practice. For people who aren't really familiar with the terms direct simply means it's outside the insurance and you referred to a subscription-based model, I believe. Yeah, so it's a subscription-based model. And really what I try to do is um, this model works really well for, for folks who have a high deductible insurance plan, which seems like it's more and more people nowadays. Because what it allows you to do is use your insurance for things that need insurance. So if uh, you have a $10,000 deductible, I mean, if and you're hospitalized, yeah, you're going to have to use your insurance. But say if you need to have an MRI, it might make more sense for you to um, have to go to like a local imaging center and just pay cash. Like in most mar- markets, you can get an MRI for like $500 cash. And um, if you have a high deductible plan and I'm your doctor, you know, I can potentially save my patients my whole fee, my whole $1,000 fee by just doing one thing like that outside of uh, the insurance system. So people are listening to this, and I'm sure there's a variety of questions, and we try to give them good information. So you talk about the subscription base, and I know from looking on SteadyMD, there are different prices depending on the physicians. Can you give a range of somebody who decides, you know, I want to do this, and I know from looking on SteadyMD, there are different physicians for different sports or activities. So I think it's important to talk about a little bit. Uh, SteadyMD is, I guess, at its base or starting out working with or trying to seek out active patients. Is that correct? Who understand that movement is important? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we found that having, you know, the virtual medicine, um, you know, it, it's it, it is a little bit harder for people to understand since you aren't actually in a, a, a room with your doctor. But what we found is if you link groups, if you link patients and doctors with common interests, that really kind of breaks down those boundaries really, really quickly. Like just having that common interest, just you have that, that common bond right off the bat. So when I'm meeting a new patient who's a runner, you know, right off the bat, we can talk about our races and our training. And right there, we can build that rapport that's just so important to the doctor-patient relationship. And I know you referred a few minutes ago, you don't like the term concierge because it is kind of elitist. You prefer direct. People who are listening to this, what is a typical subscription fee for SteadyMD? Yeah, so um, the um, it, it's uh, like for my running practice, um, it's $79 a month. Um, and we, we really ask for a, a one-year commitment. We let patients uh, you know try it out for, I think, three months. And if it doesn't seem like it's a fit, then they can just pay for the time that they were in the practice. But again, the reason why we do that is I'm a I'm I'm a firm believer that that continuity care and having a long-term relationship with a doctor who knows you is really what you need to keep you healthy. And this episodic care of going to urgent cares and doctors who don't really know you is really doing the public a disservice. So for my practice, it's $79 a month because I, I launched the running practice in July. Some of the more established practices, SteadyMD has been around for about a year now. And we have a running practice. We have a bodybuilding practice, a LGBT practice, a triathlon practice. Um, and we're, we keep on – the idea is to keep on building out different um, verticals of, uh, of, of sports. Um, so um, – 
They range from 79 to 99 for some of the doctors whose panels are already a little bit more full than mine. And I think somebody's listening to this and they're wondering, they're saying, you know, I'm a runner. I think I might, this might be something I'd like to try out and it's worth it to try it out for a year. What is the goal for you to have as far as number of patients in your primary care online running practice? Yeah. So, um, like I said, the typical primary care doctor has about 2000 patients in their panel. Um, at SteadyMD, we're shooting for about 400 patients per panel. Um, and with that number, that would make it work for the compensation to be very competitive to a full-time uh, clinic-based doctor in a, in a big health system. And how did you first become aware of and then make the decision to say, hey, you know, I think steady MD may be the direction I want to take my medical practice? <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, God, such great, great questions, great questions. So, um, as I said in our, our, our uh, interview last week, um, I had spent the past uh, nine years of my career working in the hospital as what's called a hospitalist. And being a hospitalist is great work. I mean, you're dealing with really sick people, come in sick, and it's, it's just uh, such a privilege to get people better and see that kind of journey through the hospital. I mean, someone will come in with a horrible pneumonia, and three days later, that like, you know, day one, they're like on a ventilator. You know, a couple of days later, they're like, you know, walking out of the hospital, and that's just, it's, it's great to see. Um, the downside of working in the hospital is the hospital never closes. So uh, nights, weekends, holidays, um, and like I said, I have a, I, I have a young family. My boys are six and seven. They're huge skiers. I got to the point where um, I um, I was working a night shift. It was like three in the morning one night. And uh, every time my eyes would close, I'd get woken up by the pager. And um, I couldn't sleep, so I, I went on Facebook. And somehow on my Facebook wall, one of my friends who's a, a big runner in, in Boulder, his friends with Dr. Kukazella, who is my uh, one of my partners in SteadyMD, and Mark had reached out to my my running friend in Boulder, if he knew any doctors. And I, I applied for that job right then and there on Facebook at like three in the morning. And um, what was neat about it for me is, again, the fact that it, that it changes the patient-doctor relationship. So ever since I finished medical school um, back in 2007, you know, I was always, I've always, as soon as I got my degree, all my friends and family would come to me and, you know, with their medical problems. And, uh, it, and really like for the past, whatever, uh, 10, 10 years or so, like, you know, every day I'll get messages from friends, acquaintances, like asking me my medical advice. And with steady MD, I was like, wow, finally there's a way to legitimize what I've been doing for the past 10 years, being that doctor friend for really patients all over the country, but being able to do it in a legitimate way where I can use an electronic medical record and, you know, um, help people use insurance and really navigate our, our healthcare system. I know it's been, I guess, 12 or 13 years since I've taught at a university totally online. And when I first started out, some of my colleagues across the country would go, you know, how does that work? Or, you know, I don't know about that. And now it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I teach online classes too. Do you find that some of your medical colleagues who are not involved with Steady MD kind of look at you and go, well, how does that work? Or I don't think that's going to work. Or that doesn't sound like a good idea. Oh, completely. And and really what I've learned as like an entrepreneur, that's how I know that I'm onto something because I do get a lot of naysayers. And I was a little skeptic at first when I first heard about it. I was like, well, 
I really like the concept of being able to, you know, communicate with my patients via text message and, you know, use technology to, you know, improve the doctor-patient relationship. So I was like, I don't know if I want to do this uh, full time. Um, but then after I had my first visit, and the way with, with SteadyMD, the way it works is patients go to my website, sign up online. Um, right now I'm licensed in uh, about seven states. And um, if I am, if a patient signs up in a state that I'm licensed in, they can uh, they can put in their credit card and book their first appointment then and there. And that first appointment is like a, a at least a, a, at a minimum an hour of uh, really digging, doing a deep dive into my patient's medical history, <clears throat> their you know social history, their lifestyle, and then you know their training, their goals, and then um, you know from there coming up with next steps. I'm able to order blood work, imaging tests, refer them to specialists if they have something that needs to be seen. But getting back to your initial question, um, after like the first onboarding visit, I um. I was sold because what I learned was that like FaceTime or we don't use FaceTime, but say a video conference, it's a real way to communicate with people. And I'd argue that in ways it's almost superior to an in-office initial kind of get to know you visit because simply People feel more comfortable when they're in their own space, like on their own time, talking to their doctor. So, you know, imagine you're getting to know me for the first time. You're at your desk um, in front of your your webcam. Um, you're sitting in a comfortable chair. You may have a cup of coffee or tea. You didn't just like have to race across town and, and, and miss work to get to this appointment where you're waiting in a, a waiting room, reading old outdated magazines, and you're sitting in an exam room in a gown with that like uh, you know thin paper stuck to your bottom. And then the doctor comes rushing in because they're behind because every doctor, every clinic, even the one that I'm in, and I'm you know always behind. Um, and then you know it's you're there like on the exam table, the doctor's there on the little like spinny stool thing, like way down low. It doesn't really make for a great way to communicate with patients. And I find that in front of the webcam, when I'm comfortable, my patient's comfortable in their space, you can have a real meaningful conversation just like we're having now, Ben, uh, like over the internet, you know? I think what potentially could be made as an argument also is it's a time saver for patients because they don't have to take a half a day off work in order to go across town to see a physician. They can say, okay, I want to schedule with you and they can set it up that, okay, I know it's going to be this hour or this 45 minutes rather than saying, I've got a three o'clock appointment. It's going to take 45 minutes to get there. Yeah. And if, if he's running behind schedule, that three o'clock appointment might actually be a 4.30 appointment. Yeah. And then like, I'll just order blood work. They go to their, you know, whatever lab is most convenient for them. The blood work comes back. I share it with them through, I share it with my patients uh, in the app. And then we schedule a follow-up appointment where <clears throat> then like, I find it's really powerful where my patients, when we sit down for that second appointment and we're both looking, we're like sharing a screen of their labs and we can just go line by line, talk about each abnormality and, you know, share different articles, um, different websites, different information, and really be able to have shared decision-making with my patients. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a game changer. And uh, somebody who does this with SteadyMD, 
if they see you and you recommend blood work, does your steady MD help them find a lab or are they on their own for locating a lab in their town? Yeah, no, we, uh, we find a lab, um, and the patient, uh, and uh, like they can just buy a zip code and also their insurance. So if they're going through their insurance, you know, we need to find if their insurance company prefers Quest, LabCorp, um, that that's where I can we can help patients navigate the system to make sure that they're going to the right place, and um, then all the labs just come back to us electronically through our electronic medical record. And how does it work if you see a patient and you determine, okay, this is something that I need to? I'll probably be using the wrong term here. Pass them on the line up the line or refer them to a specialist. How do they do you? Does SteadyMD help them find a specialist or do you say, well, you know, this is probably something you need to see a specialist. This is the type of specialist I recommend. Yeah. So this is where it's important to have a primary care doctor. (laughs) And this goes to a question that you asked a long time ago, like, why do people need a primary care doctor? And this is it because there's a concept of uh, that every patient should have a medical home. Their medical home is their their primary care doctor who knows all their medical information, you know, has all their records and is able to help be an advocate for the patient and help them. And, you know, really it's the primary care doctor's job to know where to send them. I equate primary care as if you're familiar with building, being a general contractor. As a primary care doctor, you take on the jobs that you feel comfortable doing. And the ones that you don't, you know, if you're going to be good at your job, you have to know which subcontractors uh, to work with. And how does that work? For example, I'm, I know you're not licensed in Pennsylvania yet, but you're in Boulder. I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You see me as a patient and determine that I should see a specialist. How do you locate the specialist that you, or the specialist uh, 2,500 miles away? Yeah, so far, you know, um, most of my patients are pretty savvy. You know, they uh, have connections. They, you know, talk to their friends. They, they, they know, like, who the cardiologist is in town. But beyond that, um, when you go to medical, like in medical school, you, you go to, you know, most, most, I think my medical school class was, I don't know, 200 people. Um, you know, after medical school, your, your classmates kind of do all different kinds of specialties, end up all over the country. You know, from there, you're able to develop kind of networks. So, you know, I have friends who are practicing in Pennsylvania who I can ask. Um, and there's also other websites, uh, you know to look and and be able to read about other physician reviews and and stuff. I know you mentioned that there are a variety of sports or activities for SteadyMD. You happen to be involved with the running. Somebody's listening to this. They don't have a good family practice physician. What level of runner do they have to be to say, you know, this is something that I'd like to potentially work with Dr. Emder? So I've I've had some patients who who, uh, are working with me who aren't runners. And um, my main thing is I'm looking for for patients who are engaged in their health and want to keep moving. So my goal with my patients is to make is to keep them healthy and performing to their potent, their potential. So and, there's, um, so there's no requirement that in order to work with you they have to run a 15 minute 5k or faster. No, and that's something that I'm really trying. Thanks for asking that question. That's something that I'm I'm really trying to clarify. Um, <clears throat> but. Uh, you know, a lot of it does go to kind of that being able to have that common bond and rapport. But um, really, the important thing here, like when you're, if 
you, you know, for your listeners who are looking for, you know, a, a doctor in their town, you know, just make sure that you, you find a primary care doctor who really wants to partner with you and you have some, you, you feel like they're, they're really passionate about keeping you healthy. Cause that, that's what, that's what primary care is about. It's, it's about promoting health. It's a, a long-term relationship. Think of, think of it as like, partnering with a financial advisor, just someone who, you know, is kind of looking to the future, not just focus on like the current problem and the current news cycle, but really looking, you know, down the road of things that you need to do to stay healthy. You mentioned uh, the process for getting licensed in different states before we started recording the second part of the interview. And I know you mentioned some of the states that you're involved with. It's the states that you are licensed in is on the SteadyMD website. Could you just briefly describe for the listeners what's the process for getting licensed in other states? Because I know I'm in Pennsylvania, and I am even more interested in this after talking to you than I was prior to that, and I was very interested. (laughs) But right now, you're not quite ready to be licensed in Pennsylvania. Yeah, so um, I do only have a limited number of spots, so my page, my panel is filling up pretty quickly. I'm licensed in the biggest states per capita now. Um, but in order, so if you're at all interested, I, I encourage everyone to go to the website and at least sign up with your email. Um, so uh, I know is as soon as I have five patients signed up um, with uh, credit cards in one given state, then I w- with five patients, then. Uh, after that, I, 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 I'm able to start the licensing process for your state. Do you find or have you found with uh, the states that you become licensed in so far that there's a little bit of a delay or they kind of look at it and say, well, this is kind of weird because you're in Colorado and you want to be licensed to practice in California, but you're not actually going to have a practice in California, a physical practice? Yeah, so this is something that is, is definitely going to be changing soon with medical licensure. There's uh, currently some legislation for this uh, multi-state care compact, licensing compact, where you can um, really submit one application to be um, licensed in multiple different states. But it, it's something that there just there needs to be changes in legislation in order for that to 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 happen. So. Um, not quite ready to wait for that, but telehealth is something that's been around for a long time and it's just booming right now. Companies like Teladoc, Doctors on, on Demand, American Well. Um, so it, it's, you, you brought up the analogy to, um, online education. It's the same thing with, with telemedicine. I mean, right now I think we're at the infancy of it, but it's it's here to stay, and as it becomes online, there'll be more and more tools to further improve the uh, the experience. We're talking with Dr. Josh Emder. He is a family practice physician in Boulder, Colorado, who is involved with SteadyMD, which is a direct access uh, online physician service subscription service. He has been telling us about how he got involved with SteadyMD, why it can potentially allow you to have a better relationship with a family practice physician or a general practitioner, which is kind of the gatekeeper for your health because they get to know you, or ideally they get to know you. I'm interested in how this works with the virtual MD. Uh, 
if your physician decides to go on vacation, are they, how do the patients find out, uh, you know, for example, you get licensed in Pennsylvania and then you get the opportunity to go skiing for three weeks in Switzerland <laughs> with your family and I'm in Pennsylvania and I fall down and hurt myself and say, Hey, I want to call Dr. Josh. <laughs> ben, I almost feel like, uh, you're teeing me up for these questions. Um, cause, uh, I mean, these are great. These are, these are great. And this is really why I partnered with SteadyMD and didn't just decide to do this myself because with SteadyMD, there's, um, about 10 other doctors on the platform who are all, uh, licensed in, uh, multiple States. So this is something that I really considered because, uh, I do like to, uh, I do like to move quite a bit, like we talked about last week. Uh, I love being in the backcountry, going on you know multi-day backpacking trips. So uh, what I'm able to do is just send out a text to all my patients that I'm going to be off the grid, unavailable. But if you need anything, you can send text messages to my medical assistant, who can then relay the messages to um, other doctors in my practice who are licensed in your state and can help you until I'm back in uh, in contact. Sounds like it's very well thought out. I know yeah, it's we've we've thought about all this stuff. I know it's one of the attractions in addition to be able to, to develop a relationship from looking at the website is the fact that patients can get a fairly rapid response from their physician. Can you just finally finish up our interview kind of explaining how that works? So somebody works with you, how long does it take to get a virtual appointment if they have a problem? Yeah, usually it's um, it's kind of within minutes. Because <laughs> um, really, my patients um, primarily engage me via our uh, our our messaging app. So we have a a, a proprietary messaging app that's uh, completely private and secure and HIPAA compliant, which is the big thing of everything in healthcare. So. Um, Great, great story, great SteadyMD success story recently where I have a patient who spends a lot of time tra traveling the world on business. And he messaged me that he just returned back from an international trip and was having a, a cough and some pain in his chest. And uh, I uh, was immediately alarmed and gave him a call and uh, called the hospital put in for a whole battery of, 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 uh, of, uh, lab tests. You know, he went straight to the hospital, had the lab test done and then, uh, ended up getting admitted to the hospital. But, um, if he didn't have access to me, you know, he didn't really think he, he wasn't really as worried as I was. <laughs> he was like, Oh, you know, I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just take care of this stuff tomorrow. But you know, my phone call is like, no, you're going right now. And, um, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. I was able to offer that service for him. It made me, it really made me validate kind of this model and what I'm doing. We've had the good fortune to talk with Dr. Josh Emder. This was part two of our interview. He is a board-certified family practice physician in Boulder, Colorado. He is involved with SteadyMD, which is a primary care, completely online medical practice. He has the opportunity to work with individuals in a variety of states. We talk about what it takes to 
get him licensed in each state. He is not yet licensed in Pennsylvania. So if you're in Pennsylvania and you're listening to this, please consider signing up because I'm interested in getting involved. The one thing that we didn't really talk about in the interview that I think is also really exciting and showing that technology really is helpful and making inroads in the medical community is he is able to monitor statistics and information from your various devices. So if you have a heart rate monitor, if you have a blood pressure monitor that is electronic, if you have uh, various activity monitors, he's able to work with you and see exactly what you're doing as you're seeing it. Dr. Emder, thank you for taking time to talk to Moving to Live this evening. Well, Ben, thanks again for having me on the show. And the last thing that I'd like to share to part with, again, I think what you're doing is amazing. I'm such a firm believer that movement is a key component of life. Um, like I said in uh, my interview last week, the average American sits for six hours a day. And I recently read a study that if you can decrease your sitting by just half that to three hours, you can improve your life by two years. So with that, I'd I'd, I want to see everyone thrive, be healthy, and use your body like it's meant to be used. Get out, get out and move. And um, if you're at all interested in learning more about what I'm doing, please check out my website, which I'm sure will be in the, the podcast notes, but it's SteadyMD.com slash running, or you can find me on social media, um, SteadyMD Running on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Instagram. So Ben, thanks again for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure and honor. However I can help you, you know, carry this message to the world of how important movement is, please let me know. Great information from Dr. Emder and showing that physicians are not just for when you're sick, but they can also help with your wellness throughout the lifestyle. Dr. Emder, have a good evening and thanks for talking to Moving to Live. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Moving to Live. Make sure you check out the show notes for contact information for our latest guest, as well as links about all the things we talked about. Intro and exit music is Traveling Light by Jason Shaw. You can subscribe to Moving to Live on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play and be notified about new episode releases. Have any questions, comments, or suggestions? Drop us an email, mov2liv at gmail.com. Connect with us on Twitter or Instagram, both underscore mov2liv. Please tell your friends about Moving to Live. It's a go-to place for information for movement and exercise professionals and amateur aficionados who understand that movement is part of what makes your life complete. Until next week, keep on moving.